You're listening to the Table Church Podcast. The Table is a community in Orville, California that aims to follow Jesus by doing what he did. Love God, love our neighbors, and serve those in need. Find us at thetablechurch.net, Instagram, or Facebook. And now for the message. Let's move into a time of hearing from God's Word. If you would, pray with me. Father God, we rejoice that we get to gather on this day, the holiest day of our year, where we worship you, where we proclaim your resurrection, where we gather as a body, even digitally together, to be of one mind and one voice and one affirmation that you are Lord, that you are King, that you are risen from the dead. As we come before you now to hear your word, to open up the good word for our souls Uh, Would you be glorified and would we be edified? Would we be built up by you, by your Holy Spirit in us now? And Lord, we even pray for the people next to us. Maybe they're commenting below us, or maybe I'm just thinking of families in our churches. I'm praying for them now that the Holy Spirit would be in their house in a tangible and palpable way. Ultimately, as we open your word, would you open our ears and eyes so that we may hear and receive from you. And we say these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you don't know, It is Easter, and we are celebrating Easter, and we're going to tell the Easter story today. And so, uh, Easter at the table. We're going to be talking through the story of John. John 19 and 20 is the crucifixion and the resurrection. And so, um, yeah, we're, we're looking to live an incredible story. And the world is happy to give us one. We're looking at John here. 20, and it says, early in the morning of the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb. The women in this story are the heroes. And this is one of the ways that I know this story is true, because in the first century, you don't have your key witnesses be women in this story. And yet they're the first ones there. They're the first ones to report the good news. They're the first ones to preach an Easter sermon. They are faithful in this story. And Mary comes to the tomb and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. She ran to Simon Peter and the other disciple, John, the one whom Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord from the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. This is my first point, and I just want to point this out for anyone maybe that's not feeling uh, fully Eastery today. You know how I preach head, heart, hands. First point is head. And with, uh, with our head, what's coming to me today that I want us to know is that nobody expected nobody. Nobody expected nobody. We just saw in the story, Mary Magdalene is there, and she's there to do burial customs. She's there to uh, anoint the body with oils and spices, and the body's missing, and her first reaction is that somebody stole the body. I love this point because nobody expected nobody. They were not all around the tomb waiting for Jesus to appear like Punxsutawney Phil in Philadelphia or Pennsylvania, <laughs> you know, the, the, the groundhog coming out of his cave to see if it's going to be winter or spring. They weren't there waiting. They were all mourning. They were all sad. They all believed that this was a failed Messiah, that Jesus failed his mission. They were going to go back to their lives. They were going to go back to being fishermen and whatever. They were sad, mourning, grieving, And they thought when the body was gone, that the body was stolen. I say this because maybe, maybe you don't have a lot of belief in you right now. Maybe uh, times are hard, hope is lacking. uh, And what I want you to know is that you're in good character and good company. Um, You're in good company 
in that everyone who wrote down Jesus' story was in the same place maybe you are right now. They wrote the story about themselves, and at every turn, they didn't have the faith. They didn't believe. They didn't understand. And we keep calling them in my morning devotionals the disciples. They wrote their own story about themselves, about how they didn't get it over and over. Even though Jesus told them three times that he would rise from the dead, they didn't get it. They didn't get it. They thought he was speaking metaphorically. They thought he was speaking spiritually. The mission was over. His teaching wasn't good enough to keep it going. His miracles weren't good enough to keep it going. His ministry wasn't good enough to keep it going. It had been failed when he went to the cross, and everyone expected Jesus to be like every other dead person there has ever been, to stay dead. And yet they sh- she shows up to do her burial customs, and the body's missing, and they think it's stolen. I want you to know that if you're having a hard time mustering faith this Easter morning, that you are in good company, that even the disciples are right there with us telling this story. They assumed he was a failed Messiah. But the resurrection is the catalyst that changes everything for everyone. Again, it wasn't his teaching. It wasn't his miracles. It wasn't his ministry that kept everything going. It was today, the day that we celebrate. It was his resurrection that changes it for everyone. After this, they are bold. They understand. They, they move forward. They spread the good news. They help out. They're able to do the miracles. Everything Jesus did and said about himself, being the son of God, being the word of life, being the, the resurrection and the life, being the great I am, everything he said about himself makes sense after the resurrection. And so that's kind of my question for the panel today. Oh, it's not there, but I have it in my heart and yes. in my head. Tell me an underdog story. Maybe it's about yourself. Maybe it's about a movie. Maybe it's about some sports you were a part of. But uh, it feels like an underdog story that we're a part of, that no one expected Jesus to come back to life, even though he said it three times. Their faith was lacking, and yet this resurrection changes everything for the whole world, for everyone. Yeah, um, the one that I kind of thought of a little bit was um, Frodo from Lord of the Rings. Uh, Shout out to Justin. Hey, Justin Riggs. He's like, dude, no mention of Lord of the Rings last week. Well, there you go. I will admit I've never read the books, but I've seen the movies several times. Yeah. And uh, you just think of Frodo. He's just uh, hobbitses, right? Like he's yeah. just a little guy and with big hairy feet. And there's just no chance of him. I mean, he's supposed to have the most powerful object and whatever. And he's supposed to, you know, throw it. How does he get it all the way there and yeah. avoid corruption and everything? And um, yet it was like he was the one that was chosen to do it, and he did it. Uh, spoilers. But <laughs> and, he, he, and he's I'll chosen. save you 12 hours <laughs> of movie watching. And he's chosen precisely because he is so small and precisely because he is the underdog, right? Like, he's Yeah, there is that element, right? Because yeah. I didn't even think about that, but that's true. He, it, because he's unnoticeable. And, um, you know, maybe the most humble uh, servant is the one to choose to to do it and i think that there's a lot of uh picture of jesus's story in that because it's like uh everything that jesus was supposed to do yeah uh he did the opposite and he rode in on a donkey and you know he so um wins by dying frodo yeah um my favorite underdog movie story um 
is Remember the Titans. Yeah. I just, I love that movie. Yeah. Um, if you don't know, if you haven't watched it, it, it is comes from a time um, in our history when there's segregation of schools and things going on. And so this story is about um, a, a coach, a football coach, uh, coming to a school that is getting rid of segregation so they're yeah, yeah. They're, they're in a time of integration um and building up this football program and i just i love it i love that you know towards the middle end uh they they're doing terrible at the beginning but because they're not in it together they're not working as a team they're not loving on each other and supporting each other and and then at the end yeah they they come together yeah um and the two main characters uh, become brothers, yeah. Uh, not of the same skin tone, yeah. not from the yeah. same mom, but it's just—it's beautiful. I love it. It's my uh, favorite. Did you see the YouTube video of the of the um, offensive lineman? Ryan said to to me, uh, I forget his the actor's name, but he's like a big giant guy in the movie, and he lost like two hundred pounds. He's like jacked now. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. anyways. So there's a little. Speaking <laughs> of the big guys, Dorian says because I always have a heart for this character too is Kung Fu Panda. Oh yeah. You know, oh. you got to root for the big guys a little bit yeah and so uh <laughs> kung fu panda underdog also like the hobbits is in that he's uh he is the underdog no one expects this goofy noodle yeah. guy to do it but he's able to become the dragon warrior yeah right. i like it too dorian exactly uh maybe we're all thinking sports themes here maybe because that's the most prevalent underdog story but the greatest sports movie of all time i oh. think you guys would all agree oh let's get ready space jam oh <laughs> <laughs> I am a Monstars <laughs> fan. Uh, I rooted for the Monstars, though. I think there's something built into us about underdog stories. We love rooting for the underdog um, because of the story of Jesus, I think, because of the way that God hardwires us, that Jesus really is the underdog when it comes to the world. I mean, he's facing the temple system, he's facing the empire system, and it's between the temple and the emperor that he's crucified, and yet this is God's victory for us. No one understands it. We don't get it. It's hard for us to, to uh, perceive, conceive. Uh, but in the midst of this, uh, we get this resurrection, which is validation, which is victory, which t- is God's way of saying that Jesus is the one whom he said he was, and his death on the cross was not a failed attempt at initiating the kingdom of God, but it is the very character and heart of what the kingdom looks like. Matt's got a point for us. Couple more. Chad Abshire says, Miracle. I am so sad to hear that, or to say that. I've never seen that movie. I saw it the other day, uh, and I'm going to, well, I saw that it existed, and I'm like, I haven't seen that, so I'm going to watch that one, Chad. And then also, um, Jobel says, Rocky, which of course is like the ultimate underdog story. And if you want to see our shot for shot remake of Rocky starring James Lackey, (laughs) we'll uh, post that later. Head to the YouTube channel. (laughs) It's pretty good. I mean, Philadelphia doing it. (laughs) Our second point is going to come from this next part of this story, the continued story of Easter morning. So what happens are the two disciples run. They hear Mary Magdalene. She says the body's missing. Peter and the other disciple, John, left to go to the tomb. And they're running together, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter. This is John's way of bragging about himself that he's faster than Peter. And I imagine Peter being a more portly fellow, a little bit more stout, maybe not as fast running. And uh, it says, John was the first to arrive to the tomb. Bending down to take a look, he saw linen clothes lying there, but he didn't go in. Following him, Simon Peter entered the tomb first. Simon's a little more bolder and brasher, and he saw linen clothes lying there. 
He also saw the face cloth that had been bent on Jesus' head. It wasn't with the other clothes, but it was folded up in its own place. Here's why that detail is there. Because when you're going to steal a body, you don't unembalm a body. You don't take the clothes off. You don't take the spices out. You don't take all the, the you, you take the whole thing. And here, what they're trying to tell you, they're giving you the evidence. They're giving you the clue that something different happened. You don't fold the face cloth back up when you steal a body. Something is happening. The evidence is lining up for Jesus to be correct about his own prediction, about his own resurrection. He says, then the other disciple, John, the one who arrived at the tomb first, also went, in, went inside. He saw and he believed. Jesus doesn't show up for the disciples until later. He shows up to Mary first. I just want to give you the disciple story, and then we'll move on to our second point. It is later that night, first Easter day. They're having a meal. It says it's still the, still the first day of the week. That evening, while the disciples were behind closed doors because they were afraid of the Jewish authorities, Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And when the disciples saw the Lord, they were filled with joy. My second point is about heart. It's about what Jesus wants us to experience. And it would be easy for me to say peace and joy right there in the passage. Jesus says, peace be upon you. And the disciples were filled with joy. And Jesus wants you to have those. And if you are lacking those, today is a great day to turn our hearts to the Lord, receive Jesus' peace and joy. But also what John wants us to know is that we cannot have those in any meaningful and deep sense apart from Jesus. We might get a taste of peace. We might get a taste of joy. But at the end of the day, we have those in Jesus. John wants you to experience something more in your heart. And here's what it is. He wants you to have your own resurrected king and empty tomb experience. We believe because Jesus is risen, because Jesus is ascended, because his Holy Spirit, he breathed onto them and on into us when we believe in Jesus, that we can experience God here and now. I bet my whole life on this. I could have had any other career in the whole world, but I fully believe that we can experience Jesus's life transforming power right now because of the resurrection. And John wants you to have an experience of the empty tomb and the resurrected King. And so I guess really that's my question for us. If my slides will progress, my Mm -hmm. apologies for that. Um, I'm going to be asking you all in a moment here Mm -hmm. to give a brief minute of your testimony. John tells us that he saw and he believed. Just like Mary Magdalene, she saw and she believed and everything changed for her. The disciples, they were scared. They locked themselves away. Then they had joy and they had peace. Thomas, you know the story, famous doubting Thomas. He said, I won't believe until I touch the scars and I see Jesus face to face. And Jesus shows up. Thomas has a resurrection experience, an empty tomb experience. He touches the scars and he believes. I'm even thinking of the apostle Paul. His whole mission was to destroy the church, was to destroy the proclamation that Jesus has risen from the dead. And on his way to persecute the church, he has a resurrection experience where Jesus shows up, changes his life for everything because the resurrection changes everything for everyone. And so that's my question for you all. What is uh, your testimony of having your resurrection experience? What's your meeting Jesus and your life being different from then on out? You know, I was thinking earlier, um, real quickly, um, I wanted to actually, this is, she wouldn't mind if I shared, but my mom's uh, conversion moment, she grew up at church uh, as well as I did. But I was thinking earlier, we were talking to her earlier last week, and she 
um, went and saw Jesus Christ Superstar, the musical. And after that night, she just fell on her knees and knew that Jesus was Lord. And what's so funny about that is um, in that musical, at the end, there's no resurrection. And I'm like, I, I, you know, that's what's so funny is it's so powerful and his ministry is so amazing. And then they don't show the resurrection at the end. And it was like, I said something like, if you liked part one, wait till you hear what happens in the yeah. sequel, right? Yeah. Um, of just like, man, the whole, it just really, it ramped, you know, because yeah. Jesus' story is amazing already. Um, and so thanks for sharing that, Mom. Hope it's okay. I did too. Um, for me, I talked about it last week uh, when I went to Pennsylvania. Um, I trusted in the Lord. And for me, my conversion moment was kind of like, I want to see the nails. I, I, I got to see result. I got to see facts and I got to get some results. And for me, it was just trusting in him and um, praying the prayer. Like, I will go where you send me. I will do what you want if um, if it's your will. And he sent me and um, I never looked back. And so for me, that's when faith became real, even though I had grown up in church. Um, it was mostly for the social reasons, but for Jesus to work in my own heart, it kind of took uh, that self-sacrifice and trusting in him, and then he proved to me that um, that was what uh, was good for me. And so yeah. that's kind of my story. He proves it or and or. It's a him. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> oh, apostrophe E-R. Yeah. Um, so for me, my testimony, I guess my one-minute testimony would just be that so I grew up in a family um, led by a lot of bold Christian women. That's what I would call them. Uh, so women like my grandma, Matney, I shared last week, um, who just, she just acted out every day on her faith um, and those around her. And so I'm very grateful for that um, because that's where my, my cornerstone, my foundation, all of that came from. But for me personally, like where the shift happened or the change happened was you know, going to church with my parents or my mom, um, and then getting involved in youth groups. So it was always, it was always in and around, but it wasn't until my adult life, until I became a mom, um, and started feeling some hardships of choices that I had made, um, in my marriage and in our life. Um, and then getting to a point where I, I didn't know what else to do. And yeah. the only thing that felt, um, good and right in front of me was reaching out to, um, the pastors at the church I was attending at the time. And a funny, the funny story about it all is that uh, the pastor that I had grew up with or grew up under, however you want to call it, however you want to say, was actually taking a sabbatical. And so when I had finally mustered up the courage to call, um, it was the newly assigned youth pastor uh, that answered the phone uh, and our conversation went a little bit like this. I'm going through a hard time. And then she said, well, the lead pastor's on sabbatical, but let me take your name and number, uh, and I'll have him call you when he's back. Click. And then I went going, that was supposed to end up a lot differently. <laughs> I thought I was going to end this conversation with some help and encouragement, but I felt a little bit alone. And it must have put a stirring on her heart because that Sunday uh, she came up to me uh, and she said, I felt really awkward after that conversation as well. Can can we meet? Because um, I feel like you shouldn't wait six months for the pastor to come back uh, to start moving in the right direction. And so, anyways, that's what initiated her and I meeting uh, actually um, downtown Casa Vieja for lunch. Uh, we have a great relationship now. Um, and that really was the point where I felt like... Um, 
uh, supported um, and encouraged uh, and that I wasn't alone. And I love that. Yeah. I love that. And that hearing you say, like, I, I got to a point in my adult life where I had my own Good Friday experience where things were hard, felt like things were in trouble or dying. And I reached out and was met even and someone embraced the awkwardness, the vulnerability of being awkward and came back and made it right. I love that story because it's simple and profound. And for both of us, not uh, we grew up in church, right? Yeah. But there's a moment when it's got to be real for you. And it's got to be what um, Jesus in in your heart, you know, yeah. um, and, and you can kind of go through the motions or you can enjoy the social aspect of church. But until it's real in your own life and if you're not, and I also want to encourage the people who are not in that yet. Um, it'll come yeah. if you follow Jesus and you listen to uh, the Lord, yeah. it'll come. Yeah. It just takes time for me. I was like in my late twenties. So yeah. if you're younger and you're like, I grew up at church, but I don't know if it's real, um, be encouraged because yeah. it just, sometimes it just takes time and also takes obedience and just listening to what God wants you to do. Absolutely. So don't be discouraged if by that. As someone who preaches often, I get to share my story often. So I'll try to be brief if you've heard it a million times. But you know my story. I grew up here in Orville, and all the problems of Orville, or at least many of them, were in my own home, and uh, we struggled. There was a lot of issues, and that created all kinds of hardships and difficulties. And at the end of the day, I uh, chased a girl to church. Uh, her dad said I couldn't date his daughter unless I went to church, and I did. And it was there that I found a family, a group of people that that loved me well. Um, they accepted me, right, even as I was, where I was. Uh, welcomed me in with open arms. And then I began to explore the faith a little bit more. I began reading my Bible every night and my entire understanding of God changed. I, I believed that somehow here, maybe in Orville or even, even worse in Thermalita where I live now and love with my whole heart, uh, we were somehow cursed by God that somehow God had abandoned us and he lived up in Kelly Ridge or Sacramento or something. Uh, and what I realized in reading the Bible and reading Jesus' story is that he hung out with folks like me on my street with families like mine. And so uh, I had a conversion moment around reading scripture and realizing that Jesus had been with me my whole life. And it was me that didn't have the eyes and ears to see. And so I gave my life uh, to Jesus at 15 and immediately felt called to help others do the same. Uh, I had my experience of meeting the risen Jesus and the real Jesus changed everything about what I thought God was going to be like. That's my story of encountering the resurrected one and the empty tomb, Jesus. Good job, Todd. Good job, Todd. Bless you, man. Uh, moving on to our last point, point number three, which is what do we do? I have two things for us based on the story that we're going to read. Um, Two things. Uh, the first one, if you know Jesus, Jesus invites you to do the work of forgiveness and peace. Hear what Jesus says to his disciples. If you're already a follower of Jesus, hear what he says. He said, peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands inside. It's really him. When the disciples saw the Lord, they were filled with joy. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. If you know Jesus and follow Jesus, your mission is to do what Jesus did in your context and in your community. 
Then he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit, which empowers us, encourages us, equips us to do what Jesus did in our own communities. And if you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. And if you don't forgive them, they aren't forgiven. Jesus asks us to extend the work of the cross that he did, reconciling the whole world back to the Father. You now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, have the power and ability to help other people experience the reconciliation, the peace that Jesus comes to bring through his cross and his resurrection. You are being sent like Jesus was sent. You are being empowered by the Holy Spirit as Jesus was and that's my first, so there's two points to this, but the first one, I got a question for you. Who do you see working resurrection peace in the community? Who's doing the good work in the community that's extending this, this Jesus stuff out to make for peace in our, in our place? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go ahead and go. say her name oh, because it. I love her so much. Uh, Rachel Cowan. Um, man, she's just an inspiration yeah. to me. Um, when I first met her, was she was uh, leading at the Axiom, and I was volunteering there, and Absolutely. I got to know her a little bit more and just every bit about her um, and what she does. Uh, she ended up leaving that job and then going um, to work up in Paradise after the after the fire up there and love on that community um, yeah. at a resource center. And then not only that, but just opening her home. She is a foster parent yeah. to many, many, many right. children. Um, and I just, I just love her heart. I love her desire to, to be God's hands and feet here in this community and, and all she does. So love you, Rachel. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's when I think of her, I think of all the work that she does in the community, but like you said, what she does in her own home, it's like, my goodness, Talk about being Jesus to some kids. Um, so, yeah, we love Rachel. I think of, I'm going to embarrass him, I think of James. I think James really, you you could turn your ears off if you want to, James. We don't want him getting too proud. Um, but somebody who not only loves our congregation and uh, loves each one of us and connects with each one of us and bends over backwards to do discipleship classes or meet for lunch, um, starting this church and this community, and, and then also all the backbreaking work that he does for um, the schools and being on the board and taking charge of anything that <laughs> needs to be taken charge of. Uh, it's, it's James at the, at the end of the line just saying, yeah, I can, I can carry that. I can, I'll, I'll pick the flag up. And uh, so I just, I think of James. Um, I wasn't going to tell him that I was going to say his name before because he probably wouldn't want me to. But I know you all feel that way, too. And so I actually want to say, you know, give him some encouragement this week. Text him and just tell him that you love him and appreciate him. He says no, but I'm saying do it because, um, you know, it's hard on pastors right now. And I feel uh, for the pastors and for all of us that don't get to be together on Easter morning. I mean, holy smokes, what? Um, and so uh, show him some love this week because... Um, it's a hard it's a hard time and we're kind of mourning not being able to be together and so um just love on him if you can uh resurrection peace uh that he brings and maybe give him a little bit back um, when we do get together get gather again it'll be a great resurrection celebration i'm excited number one number two i receive what you said thank you it's hard for me to receive compliments <laughs> But also number three, uh, I'll give you your twenty dollars later. Thanks for, 
um, the person for me uh, that I see working peace, I won't mention their name, but they, I, I just am enamored with people who, who give their life for kids. So I got, there's a lot of teachers in our community. There's some work. Uh, we got Matt over here. We got some who work in Durham. We got people who work with kids are, are amazing. And then there's someone who uh, runs a, a program downtown for kids after school. And I just appreciate the work that that person does and the way that they are still trying to maintain community in the midst of this. And uh, I, I just see them working resurrection peace in the midst of uh, people's lives, teens' lives who uh, are in hard places. And I just, man, appreciate uh, the work that's being done there. I told you there was two points that we can do, and then we're wrapping up. So we did one. One was that if you're a follower of Jesus, uh, you get to be a part of that Holy Spirit movement that extends forgiveness and peace in the community, that Jesus sends you as Jesus is sending, as he was sent. The second thing is that uh, it's belief, simply belief. But these things, John tells us, all of these things that he wrote, his whole gospel, the resurrection story, these things are written so that you uh, will believe that Jesus is the Christ, God's son, and that believing you will have life in his name. I just want you to know this is, there's a resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday is an invitation to believe. And so I'm going to pray right now. If you have never given your life to Jesus or decided to follow Jesus, and you're not experiencing that peace and joy that comes with Jesus, and, and maybe your faith is a little bit lacking this morning, but you're watching for whatever reason, thank you for tuning in. Uh, I'm going to pray. I'm going to say a prayer, a prayer of dedication, a prayer of uh, asking for forgiveness, a prayer of turning our hearts to the Lord. And if that's you, if you're the recipient of this, it's written so that you would believe, so that you would have your own empty tomb, resurrection, king experience. Uh, pray with me now, and we'll wrap up the sermon and move into a time of communion. Father God, we come before you with great praise. We thank you for today. However we logged on, whether it was planned or whether we came across it in our stream, we know it wasn't by accident. We know that you desire for us to experience you, to, to have an encounter with you that changes everything. We, we come with our, all of our doubts. We come with all of our concerns. We come with all of our lack of faith. Lord, we believe but we also, would you help us in our unbelief? And we know that we have uh, not always followed you well. We have not loved you well. We have rebelled against you. We have sinned against you. We have turned our back on you. We have largely uh, tried to build our own kingdoms, largely tried to build ourselves up. Lord, we ask for your forgiveness. We ask that, we would, that you would help us to turn to you today. We ask that you would come into our hearts. We ask that you would breathe your Holy Spirit onto us as you did your disciples on this Easter morning. And we ask that your Holy Spirit would live in us from this day forward, that you would equip us, that you would encourage us, that you would empower us to live a life following you. Thank you, Father, that you promised to do so. Thank you that you promise that those of us who, who, who pray and cry out Romans 10 says, those of us who, who declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that Jesus was raised from the dead, we will experience salvation. May it be true for us today. We say these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that for the first time, welcome to the family. 
We would love to be in contact with you. Please let us know. I would love to call you, uh, encourage you, give you some resources to do that. Here's your summary for today's message, and then we're moving into a time of communion. With our head, Jesus wants us to know that nobody was expecting nobody, but the resurrection changes everything for everybody. And John wants you in your heart to have your own experience of the empty tomb and your own experience of the risen Lord for yourself and with your hands twofold. Pass that peace. Work that forgiveness. But also, at the end of the day, he wrote all of this down so that we would believe that Jesus is who he said he was, that the word of God made flesh, bringing the kingdom, reconciling us to the Father so that we could be free from our sin, so that death would no longer have a hold over us, so that we'd be free from all the enemies that try to keep us down, so that we can be in relationship with our Father. Your spiritual practice this week, this is Easter. In fact, they call it an octave. It's eight days of Easter. Feast. Enjoy your family. Eat as many robin eggs as you can. I hope you have a love. I'm making ribs today. Two packs, y'all. Have a great feast. Let's move into a time of communion after we pray. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you that we could hear your story. Would it be edifying to us? Would it build us up? Would Would it help us to believe? And may we continue to have experiences of you, both during this time and in the week and months to come. Make yourself known to us and may we be transformed. May we experience that breath of Holy Spirit upon us. Now, Father, as we come with our, with our communion elements, with our bread and our juice, would your Holy Spirit be in them and on us that as we eat them, we would commune with you, that we would be close to you, that your Spirit would be in us and may it be strength, spiritual nourishment for this journey, this journey away from the empty tomb into new life. Be with us, Lord. We pray and say these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.